In a world where Bitcoin confusion and crypto craziness have gripped the hearts and minds of a forward-thinking people and of those who are frightened because they can only see the past, two men stand strong in the fight to make complicated stuff easy to understand. As light bearers of the promise for blockchain technology to bring forth decentralization and power to all the people of the world, Travis Wright and Joel Com are a couple of regular guys who enjoy being regular. It must be all that fiber. Today, you'll hear from a true warrior for the crypto cause as the fellas go unchained with journalist Laura Shin. Now playing in your ears and in your hearts, it's episode number 84 of the Bad Crypto Podcast. Five, four, three, two, one, two, ignition. Who's bad? Travis, you do enjoy being regular, don't you? Yeah, you know, <laughs> it's off the chain. You you didn't see that coming. You didn't see this teaser before I wrote I it, so not, I caught you I up. Did not see. Ha, you'll make me to laugh, Mr. Joel Calm. <laughs> you are a funny guy. <laughs> Welcome to the Bad Crypto Podcast, the show for the crypto curious, the crypto serious, and the crypto ridiculous. We are the crypto medians, coined trademark Mr. Travis Wright, 2018, and uh, we're glad to be here. I'm glad. Did we trademark that? I don't I don't think that's trademarked. If anybody wants trademark, to roll with that, you it. can go with it. It's fine. It's not that funny. You, when, <laughs> when you say it, yeah, crypto medians, that's not funny. It's not really that that's, funny. Crypto that's clowns, that's, that's, that's pretty good. But I tell you what, we have an amazing guest on the show today. It's somebody who we've wanted to chat with for a while. And, uh, you know, we've had a, we've had a really good, uh, uh, history so far of, of manifesting amazing, uh, people on our show. And today is a very special one. That's right. We've been doing call outs to Laura Shin, host of the very popular Unchained podcast. And, uh, Laura agreed to come on and join us for a conversation. We had a really great time. Time and uh, she had some really great points. I think you guys are going to dig it. Mm-hmm. And I think if you only listen to bad crypto, and I think after you get a nice foundation of blockchain, move on up and listen to off the chain because Laura, she has some amazing guests on there. Way more technical in a lot of ways. Some some episodes they're talking about some things that are just like whoa, like that's some next level things. We we like to keep it down here. Laura Laura Shin takes it up there. Yeah, well, it's not off the chain, although we are off the chain with her. It's unchained. And uh, and he's also you're going to learn in today's discussion, a new podcast that Laura has started. But first, we want to give shout outs to our show sponsor, the Zilla app. Hello, Abasa Phillips. Have you gotten a hold of the people at Apple yet? to get this app approved already. We've been talking about it now for a few months and you know, there's nothing that anybody can do. Apple's kind of in control of when stuff releases, but if you go to zla.io forward slash bad, you can learn more about this ICO marketplace app and how cool it is going to be when it does release. And it could have happened by now. I don't know, but. Well, it's one of those things. I, I, this is a great idea, you know, thinking from a marketing technology side of things, it's almost like in this day and age, you almost just need a really uh, amazing uh, web responsive website. And if you have a, a, that, you can basically, you could pop it up on any app. So maybe they could look at building just a really amazing website and uh, transitioning if that, if Apple's going to be difficult. That's right. Don't be difficult, Apple. Ah, so don't difficult. be crapple. Well, <laughs> things are crazy in the crypto world, but we have found just a little bit of stability. You know, the markets have been hanging in there, no dramatic ups, no dramatic downs since the the last big pullback. Uh, But our lives, Mr. Travis Wright, are totally off the hook and off the chain because we're being asked to travel all over the place. We've been asked to MC an event. We've been asked to do Bad Crypto Live at now three events that are coming up, including one this next weekend, D10E. It's D10E.biz is putting on their uh, their event in the Bay Area in Palo Alto. And uh, we're going to be on location on uh, Friday 
to do Bad Crypto Live from the stage. And we're also going to be interviewing a number of ICOs that are there. And some of them might appear on a future ICO spotlight. So if, if you are hearing this and you want to go to that event, d10e.biz is where you can find out how to get a ticket. Yeah, those those poor folks in Silicon Valley, they do not know what they've gotten themselves into, folks. <laughs> you and I going up on stage in Silicon Valley for the first time, Mr. Jolcom. It's going to be great fun. And uh, thanks to Mike Kostash of D10E for inviting us out. And you know what also is happening is our mailbox is really filling up with uh, inquiries from ICOs that want to be on the ICO spotlight. We're booking several weeks out now for those. And we're also being asked to join a number of projects as advisors. And so Travis and I are entertaining proposals and white papers to see if there's a good fit where we can add value to ICOs as uh, marketing advisors. So if you're connected to any of those and you want to reach out, send us an email to badcryptopodcast at gmail.com. Um, and also, or, Joel, we haven't, uh, show up on Travis. We haven't told them about this. We have also been asked to be fashion models. And um, <laughs> we have also... <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be flying to the yes. moon. Apparently NASA's contacted us. They want to take us with yeah. Lambo to the moon. It's going to be. Yeah. Elon Musk is, is going to do that for us. <laughs> Only it's not going to be a Lambo. It's going to be a no, Tesla. We're going to have, we're going to have NASA do it. It's going to be a, it's going to be, Lambo. it's going to be a, a Prius. I'm going to take a Prius up there. <laughs> Well, Mr. Travis Wright, as you are perfecting your blue steel or your magnum for the fashion model aspect of what we'll be doing, let's go ahead and jump over to the mailbag. Bad crypto inbox. You've got mail. Right on. We got a uh, message from Sonny Sayini. Sayani? Sayani? Uh, hey, bad boys. Uh, I'm a regular listener from Sydney, Australia. You know what? We got a lot of mates down there in Australia, Mr. Jokom. Yeah. We should go there. We should go there sometime. Put another prawn on the barbie. Don't put a shrimp because you don't have shrimp and don't talk like you're from London because it offends them. Because they don't talk <laughs> like this, like there's some chum little chum guy, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. He didn't say that. All right. Right now, I'm listening to the podcast whilst vacationing with my wife in the Maldives. That is so fancy to be there. Hope this adds another to the growing tally of countries that the podcast has clocked up so far. If not, too bad. Love the show. Peace. And Ted writes us via our contact form with this question. How do cryptocurrencies have value? The U.S. dollar is backed by gold. What are cryptocurrencies backed by and how do they become fiat money? Well, Ted, first of all... Yeah, we have, we have to correct you right here. The U.S. dollar is no longer backed by gold. Uh, it is backed by the trust of the government only. Um, <laughs> Did you just empty your pirate chest? Yarg, mateys. The dollar not be backed by gold. The dollar not anymore. be treasure chest. Was that under Nixon? Is that when it changed? I think it was 1971 when uh, they had the Bretton Woods Act, and do the dollar was no longer tied to gold. Apparently, what happened, I just learned this. I didn't know this was the true story. But uh, apparently, France in the 70s came to the New York Harbor in a big battleship, and they were like, we'd like to deposit our gold. And so they had all of the paper money, and they were like, okay, give us all the gold. And uh, apparently, they were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't be needing anybody else to just be coming up with a, with a big boat uh, to pick up all their gold. So these countries, they had a bunch of debt and they bought up, they got a bunch of dollars and they tried to turn them in. And so they did. And then they stopped it. And, and so, you know, first of all, the U.S. dollar is not backed by gold, but cryptocurrencies are backed by uh, two things that, that I can tell. The work that is involved in order to mine them. Or the trust and or the trust that we the people uh, and that meaning all the people of the world who are involved in crypto put behind the value, right? Even a piece of gold, uh, it, it's just a you know a, a mineral, right? I mean, mm -hmm. we call it a precious metal, and, and it's you know got a certain degree of rarity, and it's been used as a currency, but really, it there's not inherent value in any one thing unless we give it value. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and let me finish my thought on that. So it was it was August fifteenth, nineteen seventy one, 
And uh, Charles de Gaulle, the French president, he sent a warship to the New York Harbor and uh, with instructions to bring back its gold from the Federal Reserve Bank. <laughs> so they loaded up all the gold and shortly thereafter, the U.S. was no longer on the gold standard. And that's the rest of the story. <laughs> Sorry well, to interrupt. Episode. Thanks, guys. Great. That was a uh, cool story, you guys. Fun podcast. <laughs> well, how do the cryptocurrencies become fiat money? Do they like the mama dollar and or mama Bitcoin and Papa Bitcoin, you know, go into the vault and, and uh, do some private cryptocurrency things and, and make little baby fiats? Mm, yeah, they're called Satoshis. No. <laughs> so your cryptos become fiat money when you sell them to fiat. And so some exchanges allow you to do that. For example, uh, Coinbase and GDAX and there's there's others, um, but not all exchanges have um, sell to fiat. They will sell you tether, which is pegged to the failing U.S. dollar. Yeah. But we have an episode on that. Up. I was thinking about that earlier today, Mr. Joel Com. Yeah, that whole tether thing. It's like yeah. it's almost like fiat the 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 fiat currency of cryptocurrency because they're just they just keep randomly printing more of them. And then if you look at who owns the most tether, there's just like a few people who hold like a few billion dollars worth of tether. It's really it's a really bizarre thing. Hopefully, they we get to the the bottom of that whole deal, right? Yeah, people are asking us, and we will get to that episode. You know, we, we're doing so many interviews now because so many incredible people are coming our way um, with interesting things to say, more interesting than what we have, and so our format, you know, constantly shifts, and so we've not been able to do as much news and features that teach. But we do hope that you know that is a topic we want to tackle in the not too distant future. And and um, yeah, we'll be teaching, I think that's all we'll I have be to say teaching about Mo that. in the future. It's all good. But this is All right. Well, speaking of teaching, let's go to somebody who knows more than we do and has been at this longer than we have. It is our unchained, off the chain and off the hook interview with Laura Shin. Mr. Travis Wright, I'm so excited and I just can't hide it. I'm about to lose control. You know why? Because I, I, I think you like it. Sounds like you like to do that. Because I like it. Mm. Uh, you know. We it's it's worked. We sometimes when we do shout outs on the show for people to come and make an appearance here and do an interview to grace us with their presence, the word gets out there. And, you know, we've been trying with John McAfee to do that. And uh, John has not yet been summoned. He might be difficult to summon because he's he's got some weird mojo. We keep asking him to come hither, but he does not. He goes yawn instead, but we've succeeded in having, you know, Charlie Lee here with us and uh, um, Brad Garlinghouse and, and so many others. But a few weeks ago, we were given shout outs to Laura Shin, who is the host of the extremely popular Unchained podcast, one of the, the firstest and the bestests of blockchain podcasts in the world. And we asked Laura to, to come and guess what happened? Is she here? Is she going to come on with us? Laura, are you here? I am. I am. She's here. She's here. It's happening. Oh, my gosh, you guys. Uh, for, for those of you who don't know, Laura is a, uh, a journalist, and she's an author. She's based out in the Bay Area, and she was one of the, the first journalists to really dig in and cover cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, ICOs, blockchain, uh, as she has been a journalist for Forbes. Yes, the Forbes, and she's won all kinds of super duper awards. And her podcast is, I believe, it is the top crypto podcast in the world. And we're so glad you're here with us, Laura. Thanks, I'm glad to be here too. Now, you mentioned beforehand that you're no longer with Forbes. Is that is that true? Yep. Last Friday was my last day. Or by the time this comes out, it'll be two Fridays ago. Did did Steve come in and say, "I don't get the crypto stuff. You need to go," or what? <laughs> no. Um, let's just say that at a certain point, I realized, from a financial perspective, it made more sense for me to do my podcast, which would be about a day of work a week, rather than do the full time job for five days of work a week. So, you know, I went with the incentives. As many. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. You did the you did the math. And the uh, the economics said, "Hey, I should probably just do this podcast. That's good. We we are of the we're of the same belief. And I want to say, you know what? It's it's a uh, it's it's definitely a, a pleasure to chat with you because you know what? In this space, 
Now, I've been to a lot of these conferences now, and I mean, this this space seems to be dominated by dudes. And so it's great that you're out there on the leading edge and you have one of the top crypto uh, podcasts. And you know what? You are a brilliant tech woman. So we're, we're really glad that you're out there as a beacon of light for others to help guide them. Thank you. Thank you. It's actually something I'm not super aware of all the time, but people do mention it. I like, And what I mean by that is I feel like when I talk with my sources, I don't feel like there's any weird dynamic in the conversation because I'm a woman or anything like that. You know, they treat me like an equal. They, you know, tell me nice things about how they think I understand the technology or whatever. But I definitely do get a lot of comments from other women in the space, you know, whether on Twitter or by email who say that it means something to them. So I'm glad that I'm glad that it does. Well, let's be clear. You are not an equal. You are a superior. <laughs> You're better than us. We're bad. <laughs> oh, oh, right, all right. Well, I, I was going to ask you about that. Like, why did you pick the name Bad Crypto? We've been asked that a few times. Well, for one, when we started out doing the show, we really were like, we are not experts and we're not financial advisors. We don't really know this space well yet, but you know what? We love to ask questions and we like to talk to people who do know what's up. And so uh, we decided that we weren't a good, we weren't going to be the good crypto podcast right from the gates. And uh, we're, we're a little bad. And there's another podcast that Joel has listened to quite a bit called the Bad Christian Podcast. So whenever we made that hasty decision on uh, July 16th to do a podcast, to do a show, uh, we thought about it for about 10 minutes, <laughs> what we were going to call ourselves. And uh, we came up with the Bad Crypto Podcast. So, but do you worry? I mean, there are like everyday mom and pop people putting their money into this stuff. Do you worry that they'll get bad information from you guys and lose money? No, because oh. we, we tell everybody right out of the gate that we're not financial advisors and we don't make recommendations. And we also tell people repeatedly to do their due diligence, to, to check their homework. We, you know, I think the fact that we say we're the bad crypto, some people can get confused and think, does that mean that the crypto you talk about is bad or that you guys are bad? And, uh, you know, we're, we're bad. One thing I would say, Laura, is that we are all about teaching people critical thinking skills. We're not about handing them a platter of what to do. There's so many people out there that do a lot of the pumping and dumping of coins, and we don't do any of that. We talk about things that we find interesting. We ask questions about the things that we find interesting. And we're basically trying to be just a guiding light for people to help them do their own research, to help them understand, because the masses really don't understand crypto. And so that's kind of what we're doing is trying to help the masses understand crypto. So that's what we're doing. And I, I just want to point out that this interview has already taken a turn because she Laura's one it. She already flipped it. She, yeah, she flipped. She, with the flipping <laughs> has happened, Laura's doing the interview. Uh-huh. And uh, we're, we're here for you, Laura. So what do you want to know? <laughs> this is not the kind of flipping that most people are thinking about. But yeah, I'm sorry. I couldn't help myself. <laughs> tell, tell us about your uh, your entry point into the crypto world. When did it happen? What got your attention and first pulled you in? And then, uh, you know, what kind of uh, experience did you have as you started going down the rabbit hole? So the really funny thing about the way I got in is that I actually didn't really get in until four years after I first heard about Bitcoin. And looking back, the very first person who ever told me about Bitcoin told me about it in 2011. But the way that she explained it, she said something like, Oh, you, you do math problems. And then if you do them right, you win Bitcoin. And I, like, <laughs> you know, I, I was fine with math in school, but like, it definitely was not my favorite subject. I remember just thinking to myself, that sounds like the least fun thing. Like, why would you ever want to do math problems on the computer just to win this, like, you know, Bitcoin or whatever. And <laughs> I, I, what she neglected to tell me was that, you know, the computer is what does the math problems. But anyway, so after that, I did write like kind of a handful of articles here and there, but never truly understood it. And then in, so in late 2014, I was covering personal finance and I was incredibly bored because it's one of those topics where once you learn about it, there isn't really a lot more to learn. And so I was just bored out of my mind. And I wanted to write about something different, but the way that I I was freelancing for Forbes and I believe the way it was set up there because I'd started on one track, I couldn't like easily switch, but my editors recognized that I, you know, I wanted a new challenge. And so they had this idea to do what was called the Forbes FinTech 50 list 
And they said, oh, why don't you lead that with another reporter on staff? So she and I divvied up the list into subcategories and I took the category of digital currency. And then I became like completely obsessed with Bitcoin and wanted to only write about that, like, like, you know, never, ever write about anything else ever again. So, um, and, and something that was interesting was that I had had like this other book idea that I was working on and had even like taken this little working vacation, working vacation isn't the word, but I had gotten this opportunity to basically go to this island. I know this sounds crazy, but I got this opportunity to go to this island to work on some ideas that I wanted to work on. It's like this entrepreneur owns this little island. It's very like bare bones, but, um, but he, you know, brings people there and they can work on ideas. And I thought I was going to work in this other book, but then I just kept wanting to learn more about Bitcoin the whole time I was there. And that's when I really started to realize like, okay, I'm kind of totally obsessed with this thing. And so, and all that was kind of in 2015. So earlier when you introed me and you said that, like, I was one of the first journalists to cover this space, I definitely was not. I mean, 2015 is like, that's kind of late. There definitely some of my competition has been covering this since much earlier. See, we're bad. There's proof. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there have been some other podcasts out there, but I don't know if there's been as, uh, as many that has had the impact that your show has had. And so one, we actually ask our, our, our audience and, you know, they're big fans of your work as well. So they'll listen to bad crypto. And if they want to get good crypto, they'll go over to Unchained. And <laughs> one of the things they said was they want to make sure that you do more than just a couple of podcasts a month. So I guess that that's something that's that's going to start happening now is you're going to be doing more podcasts aside from just uh, your regular amount. You got a new podcast coming out as well? Yeah. So this goes back to what I was saying before about how I just realized, you know, it's like, so when I started my podcast, just so you know, you know, it was the summer of 2016 and crypto assets just had not taken off in the same way. So the amount of downloads I was getting was, it was pretty minimal. And I needed to get a sponsor for all of 2017 or, or, or I didn't need to get it for all of 2017, but like, you know, just for my own time or whatever, I kind of was hoping that I would find one for all 2017. So I got this one sponsored. They, you know, were willing to do it for the full year. And by the end of the year, when the downloads were just through the roof with the, you know, skyrocketing interest in Bitcoin and, and other crypto assets, that was kind of, it, it, it took me a little while because I actually, this is like a, a funny thing about me, but I don't own a TV and I haven't watched TV for an extremely long time, like more than half my lifetime, actually. Like I'll watch, you know, like presidential debates or like, I really like international sports. So like the Olympics or like world cup or whatever, but, but aside from those things, I don't really watch TV. So it took me a little while to clue into like just how much kind of mainstream interest there was in this. But then once I noticed that and then did some digging into how much, you know, the, the different downloads, like how much I could charge essentially, (laughs) Uh, that was kind of when I was like, Oh, Whoa. And the thing is that I had done this survey on my podcast last spring when I realized that that was the number one most requested improvement to the show to make it more frequent. And I had had this other idea for a shorter form podcast, which is the one that I'm launching now. So I was like, oh, like, why don't I just do those two things? And so I am launching this new podcast. So Unchained comes out every Tuesday now. And then the new podcast, which is called Unconfirmed, is going to come out every Friday. And that has like a little bit more of a news focus because Unchained tends to be these sort of like long form, in-depth Q&As with a person in the space. Every once in a while, I'll do a topic that can be pegged to the news. And, and those actually do quite well as well. But by and large, it is the, the Q&As with you know, an individual in the space. And so I will now be doing the slightly more news-focused podcast, but it won't be just news. There will also be like a more forward-looking element, and that will be shorter, kind of maybe more bite-sized for people. That's great. Well, the the website for Unchained is unchainedpodcast.co, and uh, Unconfirmed is at unconfirmedpodcast.com. We've not yet confirmed it, but it should <laughs> We're, we're waiting on confirmation. Do you know every time a bell rings, an angel gets its wings? Okay, I'm going to try to on the fly while I'm talking to you. This <laughs> is great content. I love it. Well, let's. Uh, I want to get your your take on what we saw happen 
at the end of 2017 with the huge, ridiculous crypto run where, you know, everything was mooning. And then what's happening now with, you know, what some would call a crypto crash, but I'm not going to put words in your mouth. So talk a little bit about what you think uh, happened there. Oh, gosh. You know, it's hard to say. I, I was actually during that time, I a lot of my attention was focused on some other work that I was doing. But I think in broad strokes, it was probably so. So what I would say is that, you know, already by I believe it was like early November, the price of Bitcoin was maybe at around like six thousand or something like that. And, you know, that was after having started the year at 1000 right so i think like that kind of price action got people's attention but then the other thing is that you had this recognition from the traditional financial system that this was becoming an asset class and so now there was this validation with the bitcoin futures that were launching both on cbo and i'm just linking what was the other one on cme and so like that kind of like brought this validation, but then also maybe got some of the speculators thinking like, oh, there might be, you know, more demand and it might cause the price to rise. I mean, on the other hand, you had people saying, oh, well now people can short it. And so that will put downward pressure on it, but still like maybe it was just the validation and maybe that also got the attention of kind of more institutional players or, or simply people with more of a financial background. And so at that point, maybe you had more money coming into the system. I think the other big thing, obviously, that we saw in a massive way the second half of 2017 was that there was this huge, huge, huge influx of Korean people uh, into the system. And so obviously there was this premium on the uh, Bitcoin and other crypto prices over there. And so that obviously also brought up average prices around the world. So I think like those things combined probably contributed to that. There may be other factors I'm just blanking on. I, you know, this is, I, I actually don't think about price action too much. Like I had to do some reporting in mid January, uh, like in person, because I don't pay attention to the prices that much. It was only when I was there that I suddenly realized that the crypto markets had been crashing. And I was like, oh, the, you know, I should have like looked into that before I showed up here. Um, <laughs> but, but anyway, so I think then what happened in January is obviously there were a lot of regulatory things that happened with, you know, a lot of signals, uh, frankly, mixed signals from the Korean regulators that probably caused a lot of that price action. And then there was a theory floating around. I don't know if this is true or not, but someone said that the price in January always dips uh, because like it has something to do with Chinese New Year or something where like people, it's sort of like our Christmas, like people need money for gifts or I don't know. Anyway, so then they were like, oh, the Chinese people are taking their money out of crypto right now. And that's why the price is going up. I have no idea if that is true at all or not. I did see some stuff about this on Twitter, like comparing previous Januaries and showing a dip. So who knows? It's not something I reported on. So I, I literally have no idea whether or not that's true. I could be spreading rumors. So take that with a grain of salt. The other thing is that then, of course, we had that uh, Senate Banking Committee hearing, which, you know, maybe got people spooked. And then um, afterward, obviously, the price has been rising a little bit. So that maybe gave people a little bit more confidence. But who knows? You know, clearly, the regulators have made signals that they are paying attention to this space. As you saw, like, they definitely, you know, pretty much know what they're talking about. And um, I think we can give great credit to the groups that work with regulators, such as Coin Center, um, the Chamber of Digital Commerce, they definitely, I think you could tell, they probably felt quite good about the work that they've been doing in the past several years because these people seem to really know what they were talking about. Yeah, you bring up a, an interesting question there. So, I mean, we've talked about this a lot in our own mastermind group on Facebook about the congressional hearing, the Senate hearing on on banking that happened last week. It was really fascinating to, I think it was actually maybe earlier this week, uh, very fascinating to take a listen to their various perspectives. Uh, one of the things that I, I, I took from was whenever... Um, uh, Giancarlo, he had mentioned that his family, like his kids, his, his millennial kids, they don't care about the stock market at all, but they're enthralled with the crypto markets and they love to see how crypto is growing. And so I love the, and even a couple of the senators mentioned that, that they're seeing that in their own families. And so, you know, it seems as if 
the financial powers over time might shift more towards crypto away from the stock market, at least with some of these younger generations. What were some of your takeaways from from that Senate hearing? And what were some of the things that, that really uh, interested you? Well, I mean, to your point about that, I mean, I think we've basically seen just how quickly interest in the space can take off. Obviously, 2017 was a massive year for crypto. You know, if you think about like the beginning of ICOs, you know, the, the first ICO was MasterCoin in like 2013, I believe, or something like that. And, you know, it wasn't until 2017, obviously, but once it happened, it happened in a massive way. And I think the reason it took off so uh, rapidly is because, you know, these markets, like you can obtain capital uh, from the whole entire world. And it's just like this level of capital coordination that we have not really seen before, that it really wasn't possible before. And so, you know, I do think that there is something more exciting about it. It's just like the Internet, you know, kind of this space where there aren't gatekeepers in the same way that there are in traditional finance. I mean, obviously, that that goes back to why I was questioning you about giving that advice, because I do worry and, you know, I, I do see the regulator's perspective and and definitely, obviously, we have seen some scams and frauds in the space. And so. I often do worry about these everyday people who, you know, because I see it, like I get like these messages from um, friends of friends or like people on Twitter just asking like, what coin should I invest in next? Or even like my hairdresser who, um, shout out to Daniel, if you are listening to this, um, he's super smart and was even into Bitcoin long before me and is actually super technically savvy and everything. But even like when, you know, I was going to go in and get my haircut, he was like, hey, like, you know, any, any little coins that you think I should have my eye on. I was like, Daniel, you know, I, I don't, I don't give advice like that, but you know, I do see that there is this kind of like get rich quick mentality a little bit that does frighten me and, and makes me worry uh, that people might throw in money that they shouldn't be throwing in and uh, that they might lose it in a bad fashion. You know, as you said, like it is so important for people to do their own research and to really understand what they're getting into you know, I, I just happened to note this on Twitter because someone was asking me something related and I had to point out to them that uh, so a long time ago, I'd written this article that was like 10 arguments in favor of investing in Bitcoin. And then I did uh, it was a series. So I did a, a complimentary article that was 10 reasons against investing in Bitcoin. But all these years later, when you look at the page views on the two articles, the one for arguments for investing in Bitcoin has three and a half times more page views than the one against because people are, they're only looking for confirmation. They're not looking for. They don't want bad news. They don't want to think about that negative stuff. They don't want to think about those, those consequences. Only feed me the sunshine. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I worry a little bit. I'm like, oh, you know, if you're putting money into this, but you're not thinking about how it might go south, like what if you put in an, an amount that, you know, you're not willing to lose, but then you lose it. Like that's dangerous. So, you know, so yeah, we've seen, I mean, like, I think there is so much interesting potential in the technology. And I, obviously we've seen this last year, just how quickly things can take off. But like I said, I, I do worry a little bit about the bubble aspects that we are seeing. It, it definitely concerns me. And obviously, you know, I, I don't know if you've seen those, those really sad social media posts about BitConnect, like, Oh, I put, you know, $50,000 in a BitConnect, like, can someone help me? Stuff like that. And so, you know, I just, I, it just, uh, every time I. BitConnect! It's not like they weren't warned, Laura. I mean, the, the I mean, I, I feel bad for those people as well. I mean, I, I'm with you on that, but you know, the signs were all there. People were screaming from the rooftops, scam, scam, scam. And yet people like still. Said, people are putting money in without doing research and without looking critically at stuff. And that's, that's why I, yeah, I, I feel like I definitely, obviously I'm a, I'm a big proponent of this technology and I, it fascinates me and, and I'm frankly, totally obsessed with it, but definitely 2017 was like a little bit sobering for me because I was like, Whoa, there's a lot of scammy stuff going on. And, and it just worries me. It just worries me. Yeah. And, th and that's one of the re main reasons why, you know, we've taken the approach that we have is, you know, if it looks too good to be true, then it probably is. And most people, as you just mentioned, they're looking for confirmation of their own bias. 
and they're looking for reasons to buy instead of actually looking through the whole looking through the whole system and, and looking at some of those potential roadblocks that uh, that could be bad. And so I guess that, that brings me to a, a question around maybe your approach. Because what I've noticed about my own personal and, uh, you know, uh, cryptocurrency speculation <laughs> is that I, I seem to focus more on the blockchain platforms because people are building on top of those. It seems they're going to have more transactions. And so there's a few blockchains that I really like. And, and when I really did analysis on all of my investments, I was like, wow, most all, most all of them are their own blockchain. So that's interesting. So I wanted to maybe get your opinion on what are some of the more interesting blockchain technologies that uh, has interested you or what are some of the trends uh, around blockchain that that you're focused on now and paying attention to paying attention to gosh wow that's such a broad question um i think something that i've been thinking about a lot is the governance issue and so you know here we have obviously you know bitcoin has had governance issues ethereum has had them as well although a lot of people seem to be happy with vitalik as the leader of ethereum but of course, there were the people who were not happy with his choices and split off into Ethereum Classic. And then Vitalik wrote this interesting blog post where he kind of derided on-chain governance and seemed to think that you know this having a leader was and 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 therefore allowing for sort of more of the squishiness of human um, emotions, but then also using human judgment. Um, as a way to govern, that he he seemed to think that that was a good idea. But we do have these platforms that are coming out where governance will be baked into the system, such as Tezos and Definity. And I know some of my sources really think that this is going to be the next wave and that it's going to be, you know, it's going to be just, it's going to enable like a way for, because, okay, so sorry. I'm going to need to backtrack. So like right now in Ethereum, you have these workers, sorry, these developers working on the core protocol, uh, but they're not really kind of earning money from that, right? And then there are the people that are doing these ICOs and making all this money off the Ethereum platform in that sense, because the platform is enabling that. But the devs that are building that platform that enable then the ICO issuers to make all this money, that, you know, they're not being rewarded from all the ICO activity. And so some people say like, oh, you know, what you could do is you could have governance baked into the system in such a way where anyone who adds to the protocol can get a certain amount of coins, which, you know, it might inflate the total supply, but then the uh, benefit to the whole ecosystem will be such that people will be willing to have their shares diluted ever so slightly because the gain of you know this technology being incorporated into the platform will be so great that the overall market cap should you know easily absorb that cost. However, uh, on the flip side, sometimes I think to myself, well, when you get the like with Tezos, they have you know this idea of doing this kind of uh, sort of like a vote every I forget I think it's like every month or something. And so I just wonder, like, oh, if you are presenting people with these choices constantly and then maybe the sides get really entrenched in believing that their way is right. And if they're on the losing side, they might get upset. And then so who knows, like that might happen often enough that you end up with like 10 Tezos forks or something. I don't know. So like, I, I don't know. I just these are things I think about, like, oh, you know, I have these sources who believe like this is the next big thing. But then I just wonder, like, what are the downsides that they're not looking at? So that's kind of interesting to me. That's something I've been thinking about a lot. Travis, we need to get some sources. We don't have any sources. Laura's talking about all these sources. Like, I'm going to phone a friend and you know, just call him a source. Yeah, where, where, do, where do we get these sources at? This sounds like yeah, it's pretty legit. You, maybe you need to live in the crypto. Bay Area to get sources or in New York. The crypto source outlet or something. So <laughs> Not as Travis mentioned, uh, the citizens of the Republic of Bad Cryptopia, we like to bring them in and let them know who we're going to be interviewing. And there's a post in the mastermind group that we have uh, where we ask people, what would you like to ask Laura Shin? And we're going to go through a couple of these here. Uh, Grady wants to know, why would anybody trust the obviously fraudulent tether without any semblance of proof of legitimacy? What do you got to say about tether? Oh, gosh, you know, this is something I have not investigated closely. So I need to caveat my comments with with that remark. So we need to get some caveats, Travis, <laughs> to go with our sources. Sources and caveats noted, duly noted. 
Um, what I will say is that I've seen some smart commentary saying that they don't believe this is going to be as big of a deal as some people make it out to be. However, I have seen other people say that, you know, this is what's propping up these prices. And so when this all comes undone, this is going to be, you know, very bad for the for the market. I have not done enough digging myself to know uh, which of these is the case. However, obviously, the fact that they are not willing to release these audits and then the fact that, well, I, although I will say it's inconclusive what it means that they broke off the relationship with the auditor. But, you know, I think there's probably more scenarios in which that's a bad sign. But yeah, I mean, like, I think for a space that prizes transparency and for a space, you know, that is built on, you know, this open, transparent ledger and on um, and is, you know, uh, these quote unquote public blockchains. I do think obviously there is people should be concerned about something where they're not willing to disclose certain things. And yeah. And so I personally don't know that many people who buy Tether, um, but maybe if that is something that is a big part of your strategy, uh, you might want to rethink that. Uh, Nothing I say is financial advice, by the way. Like, like one other thing that I will say about my knowledge of the space is that, like, I, I listen to some of these other podcasts where they talk more about trading and stuff. And I learn so much just from listening to those because the people I interview and just the, the way that I think about the space, I'm not into the whole trading thing. So I don't really know very much about like how you buy exotic coins. I don't know very much about trading strategies or nothing like that. So, you know, I feel like this person's question was kind of maybe in that direction, but that's, I'm, that's not my expertise. But, but do you know how to acquire bad coins? <laughs> uh, maybe you go on like a sketchy exchange or something like DCE <laughs> or I don't know. <laughs> she doesn't know Travis. She doesn't, she doesn't know. Yeah. Yeah. Laura, we actually have our own coin called bad coin. Oh, I did know that. I did know that. Yeah. And you got to go to a sketchy exchange to get it. <laughs> so wait, so, how, wait it, so I, I, it was not clear to me from when I've listened to the podcast previously is bad coin an actual coin or is that a joke that you guys have? Yes. It's <laughs> <laughs> a both. Uh, it, it's an actual token. You know, it's not a security. We've never sold, you know, they're not for sale. We just gave them away to people. We gave away something like 1.5 billion, I think, of the, the 10 billion. And uh, it has no utility. It is people are just hodling them and, Maybe, you know, if people um, wanted to start buying and selling, it's on the it's on the BitShares uh, exchange, which is where it was created. And you can go and see there are some, you know, uh, buys and sells of bad coin, which uh, has no application whatsoever. Not How much completely. does the bad coin cost? You mean for us to make what? it or? Creating it. Oh, I think it was a couple hundred dollars. You know, it's actually the the actual symbol is bad coin. The, on, on BitShares, the shorter the symbol, the more it costs you to create your token. So seven character bad coin just costs us about $200. And we <laughs> we minted 10 billion of them and issued, you know, uh, a billion to myself and a billion to Travis and then just started showering our listeners with them. We did it for six months and then we ended it. And now, now bad coin, you can't just get it for, from us. Mm-hmm. We got some ideas on, on some things that we're going to do with that. And that's something you could do. You could create your own coin. You could call it the shin coin. I could. I've, I've had people joke to me that I should do that. And, and maybe there was one like not so jokey suggestion, like an actual serious one. But no, I would not do that because since there's no utility, I, I don't see the point of doing it. <laughs> um, but wait, I was going to ask. I, I feel like the math doesn't line up. Did you say... You created one ten billion. You gave away one point five billion. Then you each took a billion. What happened to the remaining six and a half billion? Uh, they're they're not issued. They're you know they're in the they're not in the circulating, circulating supply, supply yet. Supply. They're the max supply, but not the circulating supply. Oh, okay. But are, but you said that you stopped giving them away. Are you gonna at some point give them away or no? Beats me. Oh, okay. It, it was really one of those fun things. You know, Joel Joel's been in marketing for twenty years. I'm a marketing technologist by trade. And, uh, you know, so I've been in marketing for a lot of time and it's one of those things was like, oh, we can create a coin. Well, that's fun. And our whole point was, was to 
teach people about crypto with this worthless coin that they could trade back and forth. And if they lost it, it's no big deal because we just created it. And so really it was more of a training mechanism to kind of teach people to acclimate them about crypto. And we got about, I think about 2,500 people or so that were interested in, in utilizing that. So that was pretty fun. I have, a, I have one final question for you then about, you know, mainstream adoption. And we know that in, in most retail um, or just in most purchasing decisions are made by, made by women. And we've known by demographics that, at least the demographics that I've seen, is that the crypto space is 80% dudes, 20% women at this point. What is it going to take for mass adoption for crypto overall? And specifically, how do we get more women interested in crypto? Yeah, we need more crypto chicks. <laughs> I would not call myself a crypto chick. Um, <laughs> but... Well, I, I don't. I mean, it's not an offense. It's a term of endearment for us um, because there there haven't been enough vocal women. We know that you know the women are smarter. We know you get this and understand this, and and we don't we don't like that there's so many men. I mean, yeah, definitely. I think the fact that it is so imbalanced is obviously a problem. Uh, just as we know from all those studies showing that companies perform better if they have diverse boards and diverse executives. However, you know, I've been asked this question before and it's one of those things, like it's just so embedded in societal things. I mean, like think about the fact that apparently up until 2017, it was completely okay for Harvey Weinstein and Charlie Rose and Matt Lauer to do the things that they were doing, uh, you know, and people kept quiet about it. And, you know, as we saw with the gymnastics doctor, like, I mean, definitely there's, major blinders that our society has on the sexism um, that's embedded in it. I I know even for myself that sometimes people say things to me about like, you know, a congressperson or something, and I'll assume it's a man uh, and then be surprised when they, you know, make it clear that it's a woman or, you know, whatever. So I think that this is one of those things where we're probably going to have to be super conscious in our decisions. Uh, you know, obviously there's all these new teams for ICOs or creating dApps or um, or new protocols or whatever it might be. And when they're thinking about hiring decisions, like let's say it's men who are starting this up, when they make their hiring decisions, they should probably be a little bit more conscious about including women uh, or or just looking for female candidates because the one of the really cool things I think about this space is that, you know, I'd like to ask my sources, especially like if it's on the podcast, you know, what were you doing before? Like, how did you get into this? And, you know, everyone was doing something different before. So it's not like you can be like, oh, they have no experience. I mean, like none of us have any experience right. creating new so thing true. that, you know, so there are so many skills that are transferable from other industries. And obviously there are women from a ton of other industries that you can include. I mean, I do think one of the things that's tough here is that this obviously brings together both finance and tech in a big way. And those are the two industries that are most gender lopsided. Like I, I actually was asked recently about like how it feels for me when I go to these conferences. And one thing that I did notice was that I definitely feel like I'm more in the minority when it's one of the conferences where there's a lot more Wall Street people, like especially in 2015, when it was kind of like this whole blockchain for traditional finance trend that was going on. Those conferences, definitely, I was like one of like just like almost there were like almost no women. And I was usually maybe like the only woman of color or something like and it was really alienating. And like nobody would talk to me in because I just stuck out. (laughs) And so, um, you know, I just didn't look like I belonged. Um, (laughs) And then uh, I do feel like with the public blockchain stuff, it's a little bit more wild and like loosey goosey. And at those conferences, uh, I don't have that feeling necessarily of like, sticking out uh, because everybody is sort of, it's just like this huge mishmash of people and they all have different backgrounds. Um, but anyway, that just, all I was trying to say is like, you know, if people in the space are looking to recruit and they might be looking at finance and tech, that might be something that's a challenge simply because there aren't as many women in those industries already. So I do recognize that, but 
one thing is that just like on a day-to-day level, you know, I think anybody who's interested in this, like, so let's say a lot of my listeners are men. I know this is the case that most of my listeners are men, but I'm sure they have a ton of female friends and family members who they could talk about this with and kind of, you know, get them interested in it just the way that, you know, I was, so my sources got me interested in it. So I don't think that, what I will say is that I think in the U.S. it's especially kind of a big challenge simply because our financial system works pretty well already, right? But I don't know if you listened to the episode uh, where I interviewed Roya Mabu, who is, uh, she was one of, she was Afghanistan's um, youngest female tech entrepreneur, and she's a serial entrepreneur. But she told this story, uh, and actually now that I think about it, she may not have told it in my podcast, but she told it at a conference where I was. And so I ended up including it in the show notes. But one of the businesses she started was this blogging platform, and the people who were blogging on it, many of them were women. And in Afghanistan, I think um, a lot of women don't have bank accounts. Uh, they're not prohibited, but it's just culturally not very common for them to own one. And so she, with her business, was having a hard time paying them because, you know, they didn't have bank accounts. And then sometimes, even if they did have bank accounts, their family members would take the money from them because, you know, I guess also culturally there, uh, it's not common for women to be earning money or, you know, I, I actually don't know the exact reasons for that. But she ended up instead incorporating Bitcoin and taught the women how to manage their wallets and then paid them with Bitcoin. And one of the women on her platform was being abused by her husband. And so she saved up enough Bitcoin to divorce him. And, you know, he couldn't, he didn't know how to manage a Bitcoin wallet. So that was like, that's beautiful. Yeah. And so, um, so I do sometimes wonder like, oh, will uh, we see more adoption amongst women in places where maybe they, you know, this solves a real problem for them that they can't get solved with a traditional with, with with whatever the you know traditional financial system is in their location, um, because obviously in the U.S., like you know, e- even though up until the '70s, women were not allowed to have credit cards unless they had permission from their husband or whatever it was. Um, uh, despite that, obviously now we have a lot more financial freedom, um, and so probably a lot of women don't really maybe feel. Uh, the necessity of of checking out this technology, you know, maybe they're busy doing other things. So I, sometimes I do wonder, like, oh, maybe is that how we're going to see more women get into this? Uh, maybe not in this geography, but a different one. But yeah, but I would say for my listeners, for your audience, you know, if you are someone who's working in this space, or even if, or even if you're just somebody who's interested in it, you know, just be a little bit more conscious about sharing it with women, or if you're in the position to hire, to think about hiring, because, you know, not only will it be better for your business to have a more diverse team, but also I think crypto will be able to realize the potential in the technology even better if there are more women involved in leadership roles. Isn't that the beauty of of crypto, how it's leveling the playing field, right? Uh, Between genders, between cultures, in, in allowing those who don't have a lot to play uh, you know, as well, and invest in some of these companies that are, some of them are going to revolutionize industries and, and really disrupt the world. So here, here's a question for you. Bitcoin Cash or Bcash? One of our members wants to know. Oh, for the term, for the name? Yeah. Um, I go with Bitcoin Cash because it's the official name and because a lot of Bitcoin proponents use Bcash as like a pejorative name, I think, or or just you know, because obviously that's not the official name, right? And they they just want to separate it more from Bitcoin. So I view the term Bcash as a political term. So just as- That's what we do. (laughs) Very pejorative. You're so unbiased. I really, that should be your next podcast, the the trilogy, Unchained, Unconfirmed, and Unbiased. (laughs) I don't know if I'm unbiased because definitely the one thing that I know is like one of my blinders is- I believe in the technology so much that I worry that I'm not as open to seeing ways in which it might crash or might not fulfill its potential. So it's just something that I think about for myself, like as I'm covering the space and I worry about stories that I might miss or things that I might not see simply because I I know that I am kind of maybe too much a believer in the technology. Um, So I always try to like temper, temper that in myself. 
<laughs> the fact that you're not, you know, looking at it from a monetary perspective of tracking prices tells me you're probably a lot more clear on it than most people, because that's where, you know, you're likely to really find your bias because you want it to go up or you're, you're tracking. If it's going down, you're looking for the right entry point and the right sell points. And I mean, there's people that this is what they do. They day trade crypto. And I, I'm a hodler. I don't like to to trade. Travis makes more trades than I do, but I'm I'm kind of with you on the. Uh, actually, I think we're all on the same page that we're in this for blockchain. That we see this as revolutionary technology that's going to disrupt you know so many verticals. It's going to make people's heads spin around, and we believe in it for the long haul. Yeah, the, there there are some sh- podcasts I listen to where. Uh, like I mentioned before, people are trading more or talking about trading. And just when I listen to them, um, I just think, oh my God, what a headache. And you may not even come out ahead. So like, why bother? (laughs) (laughs) People spend so much time on it too. And it literally becomes all consuming. So it's good to become, you know, uh, addicted to this space, but not necessarily addicted to price. It's really how how this technology is impacting the world. That's one of the things that Joel and I are, are really um, all in about is, you know, it's helping the world do good stuff. It's helping people in, you know, different developing countries um, have their voice be heard. You just told an amazing story about a lady who was able to divorce her abusive husband because she collected enough Bitcoin because she was writing. I mean, that's that's awesome. This is leveling the playing field in a whole lot of ways. And it's just it's so fun to be in this nascent space as it keeps developing and as, you know, these new technologies just keep popping up and new ways that people are using blockchain to help serve the world. And that's what excites us. Mr. Travis Wright, I'm awarding you 10 worthless crypto points for use of the word nascent. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate that. I'm going to I'm going to add that to my collection. <laughs> Well, Laura Shin, uh, host of the very popular top-rated Unchained podcast. It's unchainedpodcast.co and the brand new debuting unconfirmed podcast. But we have confirmed. It's just called unconfirmed. So <laughs> unconfirmedpodcast.com. And Laura, we're going to leave the last question to you. Okay. What meaning for me to ask you guys? Yeah, you you're the journalist. Go for it. What do you want to know? We're your sources. <laughs> oh gosh um you know because i think normally my questions come from just something natural happening in the conversation um so i don't really have anything just like uh, to pull out of a hat right now there's so many things that have happened naturally here i mean i'm i'm breathing i ate a couple cookies while we were having this conversation that's so good i was uh, actually I, I i got distracted in the middle of the conversation thinking that i was listening to a podcast uh, with you. And then I was like, oh yeah, we're interviewing her. This is, a- this isn't a podcast. This is, this is a show. Well, if you listen to one show, it should be unchained. And and if you have extra time, then keep listening to the bad crypto podcast. But Laura, thanks again for, for joining us. Really great speaking with you and uh, best of luck with your, uh, your new show, which uh, we're certain will be a hit. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It's been really fun. Man, you're off the chain, off the hook, off the rails. She is awesome. Laura Shin, amazing. Love her show and uh, brilliant thought leader in the space. And uh, that, that was pretty cool to uh, to do that, Mr. Joe Com. She was great. And not only that, but I extended her an invitation into the Bad Crypto Mastermind. And she has joined the legions of the over 6,000 of you that are now in one of the finest groups on Facebook. Uh, you know, Ronnie Moas is there as well. And uh, many others are lurking. They don't necessarily say that they're there because they don't necessarily have the time to engage. Uh, but they are lurking. They are watching. By the way, quick shout out to our friend Ronnie Moas. He had a physical thing happen where uh, Bell's palsy, apparently, he has been afflicted with that. and It caused some paralysis. Uh, he was hospitalized and they initially thought it might have been like a mini stroke, but it's Bell's palsy. And uh, the prognosis is that, um, you know, the the parts that are paralyzed um, should, you know, rebound and he should get back to normal again. But um, quick shout out to uh, Ronnie there and hope he feels better. Yeah, definitely. That happened to my uh, my stepdad a few years back. And I think it was like about he had like four or five weeks or so that uh, the half of his face was kind of frozen. So that's a that's a bummer. Mr. Mr. Ronnie Moaz, we got nothing but love for you, brother. And we'll send you good vibes. 
Oh, but and there's some good news. You know, some of you are wondering what happened with uh, PayPal and Ronnie. And like the day after that, he threatened legal action. Uh, they just kind of randomly unfroze his funds. So I think that, you know, PayPal realized that they had messed up there. And I think he's got all, if not most of his monies now. Mm -hmm. And now PayPal's messing with me. <laughs> yeah. PayPal is you messing with you. PayPal, You've got to, you mm, that old, old methods are dying away, folks. The new world is here. Blockchain is transforming and uh, people, most people don't even know how it's going to transform their lives yet, but it is just like the internet has done it for all of us. And, you know, it's all commonplace now, this whole internet's thing and blockchain is going to be um, the same way. So we're, we're glad you're here. If you haven't had the opportunity or taken the opportunity to go and review the show yet, wherever it is you listen, would you please take a moment, do a favor for us and, and go do that because those reviews are what let the platforms know that, Hey, this show, was worth listening to and we're going to make sure that others get to learn about it as well and if you don't we're going to make it we're going to charge you ten dollars an episode to listen to us <laughs> and we put out four shows a week so just uh <laughs> we are not we, Mr. we are Travis, not extorting right. reviews that is bad travis do not do that no we would never do that uh you mr travis right are exemplifying what it means to stay bad. Who's bad? The Bad Crypto Podcast is a production of Bad Crypto LLC. The content of the show, the videos, and the website is provided for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It's not intended to be and does not constitute financial, investment, or trading advice of any kind. You shouldn't make any decisions as to finances, investing, trading, or anything else based on this information without undertaking independent due diligence and consultation with a professional financial advisor. Please understand that the trading of Bitcoin's and alternative cryptocurrencies have potential risks involved. Anyone wishing to invest in any of the currencies or tokens mentioned on this podcast should first seek their own independent professional financial advisor. Travis Wright and Joel Com are a couple of regular guys who like being regular. <laughs> <laughs>